The name Mathematically Gifted in Black, it's sort of um, an honor to the song by Nina Simone, Young, Gifted in Black. When we were coming together and thinking about creating this website, that was the thing that we thought about is this phrase, young, gifted, and Black. And so we put it together with mathematically gifted and Black. This is Relatively Prime, representation in the mathematical domain. I am Samuel Hansen. I'm Candace Price. I'm currently an assistant professor at the University of San Diego, um, and I'm one of the co-organizers of the website Mathematically Gifted and Black. My name is Reagan Higgins, spelled R-A-E-G-A-N. I am an associate professor at Texas Tech University in Lubbock, Texas, and I am also one of the co-organizers of the website Mathematically Gifted and Black. I'm Erica Graham. I'm an assistant professor at Bryn Mawr College, and I'm one of the co-organizers of the website Mathematically Gifted in Black. And I am Shelby Wilson. I am currently an assistant professor of mathematics at Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am also a, one of the co-organizers of mathematicallygiftedinblack.com. Before Mathematically Gifted in Black existed, there was something else bringing these four together. The Enhancing Diversity in Graduate Education, or EDGE, program. I'm an EDGE O2er, and I'm also, um, I became co-director in 2017. Shelby and Erica are with EDGE06, I think. O6. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Candice is not an official EDGER, as in the sense that she did not participate in the EDGE program. Wow. I mean, but she's an adopted edger because she was an edge mentor in what year, Ken? 2012. 2012. Then in 2013, Reagan was on the Celebrating Diversity Organizing Committee for SIAM and was trying to find presenters for a conference. She went to then and current edge director Amy Radinskaya for a potential list of people to present. And on there were Erica, Shelby, and Candace. So even though... They hadn't met directly through EDGE, it's still what brought them together. Jump forward a few years, and the publishing of the book Hidden Figures focused their minds together again. Just the story of these women that were sort of hidden but very important stories, I think, inspired us to think about who who else's stories are not being told. Taking a note from Latisms, a website which tells the story of Latinx and Hispanic people in the mathematical sciences, Reagan, Erica, Shelby, and Candace created Mathematically Gifted in Black to do the same for Black mathematicians. And that includes all mathematicians, not just the canonical chalk dust covered academics. We were interested in showcasing a breadth of mathematicians who didn't necessarily follow the same paths in order to attain mathematicianhood. And I thought that within our community, I thought that that was important to highlight. So on Mathematically Gifted and Black, you get the whole breadth of possible mathematicians, from research to industry to education to administration to government. But that, of course, meant 
finding those mathematicians whose stories they could tell. Honestly, it's the four of us and our, we use, it just started really from the people that we knew in our own community. So who do you think was outstanding? And somebody would name someone, oh, he's connected to this person. She's connected to that person. Let's Google this person. Did you know? So we just really generated a list based off of what we knew or who we knew. And then from there, it grew. And it grew in a couple of ways. First, there's a nomination form on the Mathematically Gifted in Black website. And second, they asked their honorees for suggestions, which ended up working quite well for a reason that unless you are also a Black mathematician, you probably have never thought about. I personally identify as Black first, woman second, and probably mathematician third. And I think that there, the, the community is, there are so few of us in the community, the community being Black people in the mathematical sciences, that I guess we're too small of a community to also divide based on topic areas at this point. And that does mean that, you know, kind of we do end up having connections, not just across mathematical disciplines, but I think across stages in academic careers. You know, how is it that any of us knows the name and email address or the phone number of a dean at any institution? Well, that's probably because we were the only two in a room, you know, five years ago. And in some ways, it does actually give us more access to more breadth of, of people to highlight. Once they had their honorees, they decided that they wanted to let them tell their own stories. We don't have to write their words for them, which is the reason why we, we wanted to choose uh, contemporary mathematicians is that you get to tell your story in the way that you'd like to tell your story. They have shared 28 of these self-told stories every year for the past three years. That's one a day for each day of February or Black History Month, a month which was chosen for many reasons including trying to show people that there are still Black mathematicians doing the work. I also think that kind of in, the, in these arenas that you typically hear about the same deceased uh, historical mathematical figures, and I think that part of it was to showcase people who are currently working in the field or currently working adjacent to the field or who are trained as mathematicians, so that hopefully that people, the public, can identify with with the people who are currently working as opposed to kind of this idea of Black History Month, kind of overwhelmingly showcasing people who who made their contributions quite a while ago. In many ways, this project really comes down to representation, be it because they didn't have it. I didn't see anyone that looked like me doing mathematics when I was coming up. And I had sort of made this decision to go into teaching mathematics for that reason that I wanted that to be different for my students. And one thing that's really great about this website is when I give talks places and a student comes up to me, usually a Black female student, and she says, I've never seen anyone that looks like me talking about mathematics. I'm like, well, that, that's unfortunate. But you know what is great is that there's this website that you can go to now that showcases a lot of different looking mathematicians who come from all these different backgrounds, who have had all these different experiences. And that might resonate with you a bit more than even my experience does. Or because they did. So for me, I was um, very, very fortunate in that I grew up with this concept of representation. So for, for me, my grandmother was a mathematician, which I didn't think was a big deal until I was already a mathematician. 
so I currently work at a, at a historically black college and um, it's interesting whenever big institutions come to visit us and want to know where do our students go? And we're like, oh, our students go where we tell them to go. They go where they can see a face. They can go where they have a name and, and a person to identify with. And me who came through this system of, you know, historically black college and having the representation around me, like I said, I took it for granted for many, many years. And I think that part of the idea, part of my motivation is to give this representation to a wider breadth of people because it was very, very crucial and important to me. And I didn't know how important it was at the time. But now looking back, I'm seeing much, much more of how much it matters to others. Thankfully, it does seem to be finding its audience. I um, was working with one of my, I say my math sisters on something for the retirement of our advisor. And she said, oh, by the way, thank you for the, the website Mathematically Gifted in Black. It's like one of my students has used it and it's been so instrumental to him, to quote her, in Nebraska, in this sea of white. And I didn't even think to tell them about it. You know, it's just out there. But somehow she found it and she was like, you could not imagine the impact that that's had on him in just this short amount of time. And its reach goes well beyond where it was founded. What has surprised me most has been the feedback from around the world. We've gotten emails from Brazil, from Africa, from Europe, and also the feedback from K-12, people representing uh, kindergarten through 12 education. So, you know, people who are mothers and fathers of talented math kids who, who found it the website super helpful. That's been very touching for me outside of the reach of kind of the professional mathematical community. Just because mathematically gifted and black is making an impact though, doesn't mean that we are anywhere near where mathematics should be as a field. Even though I already knew this, it was made even more clear to me while I was looking through the stories of their honorees and saw multiple instances where a person was one of the first two or three black mathematicians to receive a PhD from their graduate institution, or the first African-American hired in their department. When I asked Erica, Candace, Shelby, and Reagan what it meant that these are still the stories we hear in 2019, it was clear that I had hit a nerve. That's a touchy issue. Right. So I want to say, so do you want, do you want my initial response or do you want my policy? <laughs> um. uh, yeah, well, I, I, I don't think I should respond to that. <laughs> Um, okay. I, I think that the fact that it's 2019 and we can still tabulate those things on a number of fingers says a lot about institutional and field specific culture. I think that when we are talking about individuals who are going through graduate programs in mathematics and postdocs and just going into academia, since that's sort of our frame of reference, I think that it speaks to a, a larger picture of what it means to be a mathematician and what it means to be a successful mathematician, but the lens through which everyone is judged 
supports people who have sort of historically been more privileged than others, whether that be through education or through opportunities or just through more sort of visual characteristics. And so I think that there's still a lot of work to be done. And the benefit of having a platform like Mathematically Gifted in Black is to put a face to all of the the stories that would have otherwise been untold to potentially make it easier and sort of say, hey, you're interested in math. People actually do this for a living. And here are all of the possible things that you can do that doesn't necessarily speak to the challenges that you might meet along the way, but at least sort of knowing that it is possible and that there are people out there, I think is um, one that is important. I think Erica's point is is very, very pertinent and, and more so picking up on the idea of this institutionalized and standardized uh, system that is not necessarily made for us to be successful. The thing that I think about is, um, actually we have conversations where we sit down and we took out all the publications from all of our national organizations and somehow all of our pictures have shown up, you know, in the PR for all of these organizations for many years. And it's the same five of us. <laughs> and this question is who, which one of us ends up in the picture this year? And um, literally not, I wish I was joking. But literally. <laughs> and, um, and kind of one of these things where you see our pictures everywhere. So it's kind of like these organizations and the, the profession wants the benefit of being able to say that we made it and that we're a part of the community, but also don't recognize the fact that it is pr extremely problematic that you're showing the same five people every single year, you know? So it's, it's, it's kind of like them taking credit for being inclusive and supporting us. But at the same time, it said something that number one, that you're continuing to use our images and number two, that you don't have anyone else to take pictures of. I think that that kind of dichotomy is, probably the next thing that that you'll see it's it seems like overrepresentation in press is not the same as representation at the meetings or in the field and i think that we will our, as a field we will have to come to terms with that given that mathematics is so far from where we should be i thought i should ask for a potential way that we could start moving in the right direction the broader community has to open its community or its workers. And you have to go to the places where the black mathematicians are and where the black aspiring mathematicians are and find out who we are. Like learn about us fundamentally as people because as Shelby said, she identifies first as black, second as female, third as mathematician. Learn about us as women, males, African-Americans, however, outside of being a mathematician. And then that will enhance or maybe start what you do to recruit, to retain, to create mathematicians. Culture is just a, a big part of who we are. So if you can't speak to me or get to know me on a fundamental level as a person, then I'm just going to say our relationship is going to be more, I don't know, I can't think of a nice word, but more just, I guess. Surface. Surface level, right. It's just going to be like, oh, I know him, I know her, but you don't know me. You just know my name. You know, oh, 
this is Reagan. She's at Texas Tech and she does MGB. Okay, that's all you know. But you haven't found out what motivates me to do these things, why we participated in Edge, why we started MGB, why Shelby's at a HBCU. All of those things form who we are, and that also forms what we do as mathematicians. So you got to put your boots on the ground to get to do the work. You just can't say, oh, I read this, and now I know. No, you have to go in. It's just immersion. And it's, you have to be a part of the culture to learn the culture, but also you have to want to know. And I'd rather you just say, I'm good at what I'm doing, and this level of diversity works for me. Don't give me lip service to say, we want to diversify, but you yourself, as a director, as whomever, have, have not gone to the place to learn about these things. Like, just be real. If, you, if you're good with your diversity, then you're good with your diversity. And if you're not, then actually do something about it. But don't try to walk the line because we recognize that. It's very clear to us who walks the line, who's real with it, who's on the line, and who's like, I'm good. And that's how we we function. If you're interested in increasing diversity, and I'm going to use that term very, very lightly in air quotations, but let's say that you're more interested in inclusion of a diverse pool of ethnic groups in the mathematical sciences. I think that it's not just a matter of recognizing that diversity is needed, but recognizing why diversity is needed, recognizing what systems and what structural systems of oppression that have just sort of historically been in play to limit that access to a bunch of individuals and how that plays out in contemporary ways, because people don't necessarily see it. And I think that that is where the problem is. It's the problem in, you know, recognizing that we need diversity, but not actually knowing what that looks like in a way that isn't going to completely exploit or alienate people from those oppressed groups. And I think that, you know, that that's the sort of self-reflection that needs to happen within individuals who are in positions of power, whether those be people in mathematics departments, if they're department chairs, if they're in charge of hiring in various places, all the way up to the top level of administration at our esteemed institution. I think that there are so many different levels in which it needs to happen. But I think what Reagan was saying in terms of the lip service, I think that that's also really important because institutionally you can stand by the notion that you need to increase diversity. But if the individuals who are actually making the wheels turn don't subscribe to that same ideology, then nothing is is actually going to change. And so I think the first step is actually getting people in there who can use their privilege and their positions of power in order to start to institute the types of change that need to happen. Even if every one of us with privilege started exercising it tomorrow to try and open the doors we have previously allowed to stay locked behind us, it is important to remember that there will still be a lot of work to be done. Work which we will need to honor and recognize and put time into. I want to explicitly say that this is a long process. Like, it's not just this sort of quick thing. Like, what's the one thing we need to do to fix this 
issue of representation. It's it's an ongoing, active process that needs to just be continuously happening. We need to be continuously thinking about these issues and have them in the in our minds when doing all these processes, uh, teaching our classes, what community service we do, what sort of service we do in mathematics, what our hiring process looks like. All of these things are affected by systematic issues and that we need to have them in our minds. And I think one thing that I've come across that is very tough for me to to battle is this idea of, well, if we just don't even think about race as an issue and we just look at everyone on paper, then then we're fine. And I think that, that erases a lot of the the impact that a lot of these systematic issues have on us. The choices that we make for the kind of research, the places we go to school, the kinds of conferences we go to, the kinds of service we do are sort of seen as less than because they are focused on these issues of representation when this is a big issue for us. I agree with that. And I think that that's kind of been my challenge in that, you know, again, I'm the only one of us who works at an HBCU and our HBCU sends about half of our graduates every year to graduate school. And everybody thinks that that's a great thing, but nobody picks understands that all my students have my cell phone number, that I get phone calls, texts at all times of night, that I have bought plane tickets, I have driven, like the amount of support that it takes to do these things, to do something like Mathematically Gifted and Black, how, how many nights are we up texting at midnight and things like that, which I don't mind doing. It is it is definitely a passion for me, but then you go out into the greater community and it and it's just kind of like a lip service to, oh, good job. And you're like, no, this work is hard. This work takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort. And not so much that I need for you to do it, but I would prefer that the community at large would acknowledge it and give me space and credit and 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 kind of value that work in such a way that it is valuable to the community. To close out, I want to take a piece of Reagan's advice and give us a chance to get to know more about Shelby, Reagan, Candace, and Erica as people. So I asked one of the questions that they provide as prompts for their honorees. What is your most proud accomplishment in regards to your personal life? I feel contractually obligated to save my kids. <laughs> so if they ever hear this, they can say that they came up first. Um, outside of that, I think that personally, I'm proud that I've managed to survive in this business and still be me. Realizing that I can have the professional accomplishments and have building this circle and still be me and who I am is very unique and as anybody is right and so i would say staying true to myself while 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 forging this journey is probably my biggest personal accomplishment i concur (laughs) (laughs) i mean because doing passion work in this area is hard that's what i call it like this is this is just what we're passionate about and it doesn't look the way you know you're not working on things that people think you should be doing or that's not going to take you to the next level. It's, but it's it's like, how did I get here? And you have no other choice but to continue to contribute to the community that has had so much to do with your success. And even if you're not a mathematician, if you're just a brown girl thinking about what you're going to do in your life, 
I've helped you. If you're a brown boy, think about, and, and I'm by brown, I mean all shades of brown. You know, think about what you're going to do in your life. Then we've helped the community. So it's not so much about being a mathematician. It's about being brown and being successful. Now, if you're a mathematician, oh, yes, that is superb. But I just want little people to know that the things that they can do. And that really speaks to, as Shelby says, because I have a little brown girl and a little brown boy. And it's now it's your world just changes once you have children. You're like, I have to prepare you for the things that I was prepared for, the things that I was not prepared for, the things that I don't even know is going to happen. So you're just trying to pour into people's lives. So I think our passion, I guess my passion work at this point is my greatest accomplishment. I get, it's likely that I'll say the exact same thing as both Raven and Shelby and the little children part as I've not been fortunate enough to do that yet. But uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, the one thing that I think about the most is just my impact in our world as a whole is, is programs like NGB, other programs that I'm involved in, and just knowing that the, the ripple effect is there and um, that I have so much passion for that sort of thing, even if it is not recognized in the greater community. It, 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 I'm, I'm glad that I sort of put that aside that like, I need to be doing this for that recognition. I'm doing it because this is something that fuels me. And, and I know we'll have a, la- a lasting, a lasting impression on a lot of people. So I think that that would be it. There are definitely things that resonate with me that the other three have said already. So the only thing that I would add, and I'm in the same boat as Candace, don't have kids, so that won't be on my list. But the only other thing that I would say is I think it's a personal accomplishment to be in a position to try to be the type of mentor and the type of role model that I have had coming up and recognizing that because of where I sit as a mathematician, that there is a level of privilege that comes with that and recognizing that I can use my privilege for good in some way, shape or form. And I say that as a personal accomplishment, not not because it it's not completely separate from my professional life, but in this business, it's very difficult to separate the two. And so I think that just recognizing that that there is some, some privilege in, in who I am in terms of what I do for a living that will allow me to help people who are, are not necessarily so fortunate or at least to have a voice for those individuals until they are allowed to have a voice for themselves. I was also thinking about one thing that's really great about this group and our community is that we, you know, there's a huge potential to sort of like, because they're seems to be just one spot for each of us or like, oh, I want to be the first or not all of us can do this thing is there's a huge potential for us to sort of do crabs in a barrel where we just pull each other down. But I think we've done a very good job of creating a supportive community and a supportive environment where we build each other up, where we mentor each other and and are there for each other and 
in these times when you're struggling with something and you can just send a text or call each other up and just say, I'm struggling with this thing and you share it. And then they're like, I've been through that and let's talk it out. Or I'm going through that still. And why, why do we go through this? And just having those sort of very open conversations with each other. And I would say that that is not a personal accomplishment of mine, but like a, an accomplishment of our community. And, and of course, an accomplishment of the four uh, us together is that we've created this environment where we share with each other any sort of things that we're going through and support each other through it. And some of these are life-changing events that are happening to us. And it's nice to have the support of three other women who backgrounds are, are different from mine. And we come together on the same path and have the same passion. So I, I think you were right, Candace. I think that that's kind of the best part of it is that we are, we are Black women. We are mathematicians. We are very different from each other. You know, and and I think that that is part of what makes it work and part of what is we would hope to put out to the world through the website is that we we as black mathematicians are an incredibly diverse body of people, you know, and I think that's cool. We're not monolithic at all. (laughs) Well, I, I want to thank you so much for your time and for the site Mathematically Gifted and Black. I I really enjoy every year when I get to look at all the honorees as they come out. Hey, thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us, Sam. And that is all the time we have for this episode of Relatively Prime. I want to thank Candace Price, Reagan Higgins, Shelby Wilson, and Erica Graham for giving me their time and being part of this episode. Be sure to check out the last three years of honorees at mathematicallygiftedandblack.com. There are just so many amazing stories to read there. I also want to thank the University of Michigan Design Lab for use of their studio in which I recorded our conversation. The music on this episode was a short clip from Nina Simone's Young, Gifted, and Black, and the track Happy Jazz from Locoflop, who you can find on SoundCloud or through my show page for this episode on relprime.com. Most of all, I want to thank all of my patrons on Patreon. Without y'all, this show simply would not be able to happen. If you want to join my patrons in supporting this show, head on over to patreon.com slash relprime or relprime.com slash support. If you support the show at the bonus feed or above level, you will get the chance to hear this week's guest's most proud mathematical accomplishment, except for Reagan's, as hers is already on their website. Finally, Relatively Prime is created under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license. So, Feel free to share it however you wish, to remix it in any way you want, or pretty much do whatever you want with it, as long as you say you got those sounds from Relatively Prime. Thank you for listening, and as always, please have a math week. Bye, y'all.